0: The scripture reading today comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 16, verses 2 through 5, and 15 to 28. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat down around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, is it the bread the Lord has given you to eat? This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, one who gathered much did not have too much and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, Everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning, as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? This is the word of the Lord.
1: Let's invite God to speak to us from his word. Father, we thank you for your word and we pray that Your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us from it. In Christ's name, amen. We we took a break for a couple of weeks from our study of the Old Testament book of Exodus. Exodus is a book that tells us the story of God rescuing his people from their slavery. We're going to pick up again with Exodus today in Exodus chapter 16. And what I'd like to do this morning is I want to make just two simple observations about the Israelites, about the people of God in this passage. Uh, I want to observe first where they were, and then I want to observe why they were there. So where and why. So um, where were they? Let's review a little bit. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. They began to cry out to the Lord in their suffering. God responded to their cry by raising up a man named Moses. And God sent Moses to Pharaoh, to the king of Egypt, with one message. The Lord says, let my people go. God accompanied that message with signs and wonders. Remember all the plagues that happened in Egypt? Pharaoh finally gave in, allowed the people to leave. They came to the Red Sea. The waters parted, they passed through the Red Sea, and they found themselves where? Where were they? Well, of course, we say. They found themselves immediately in the promised land, the land of Canaan, milk, honey, flowing everywhere. It was beautiful, right? No, that's not what happened. They, they passed through the Red Sea, and immediately they found themselves in a desert, in a weary place. A, a, a wasteland, a wilderness where there, there were there was no resources for them to survive. They they were they were in a desert. And here, here's what I think is important to remember about this, guys. God is the one who brought them there. God did. Uh, verse 2, it says, In the desert, the whole community grumbled against whom? They grumbled against Moses and Aaron. They're like Moses, you bum. Aaron, you dummy, why did you guys bring us to this desert? And you notice we left some verses out in the, in the scripture reading. And in those verses, Moses is basically saying, hey, don't blame us. We're not the ones who did it. You're not complaining against us. It, it's the Lord. God is the one who brought you to this desert. And that was actually true. Remember how there was... Um, pillar of cloud that led them in the daytime and a pillar of fire that led them in the nighttime. But God, through this phenomena, God would lead them everywhere he wanted them to go. He's the one who brought them to the desert. So I'm just going to repeat that again. I want you to let that, let that sink in. God led his people to a desert. Guys, these, these are These are people God loved. I mean, don't don't forget, he loved, he loved Israel. Remember what God said to Pharaoh? He said, Israel is my firstborn son. He loved those people as much as any parent here loves his or her child. These were were the people God had chosen out of all the nations in the world. He chose them to be his possession. And, and, And these were the people whom God himself had redeemed with an outstretched arm, the blood of the, the Passover lamb. So these guys, these were God's people. And they, they had not been rebellious at this stage. They hadn't, they hadn't disobeyed God. They hadn't wandered off on their own. That's why they're in the desert. No. They've been following the cloud. They've been following the pillar. They, they, they've been following God. So just think about that. These were, these were people God loves, walking in God's ways, and God brought them to a desert. Now, sometimes in Christian circles, you'll hear the message. It, it, it might be explicitly declared or more likely just kind of silently implied. You'll hear the message that if you have faith and you trust the Lord and, and you live the right way and you pray the right way, you, your life will flourish in every way. You will succeed in your career, you will be happily married, Uh, you will have no debt, all of your children will always make the honor roll, your health will not suffer. That's the message, you will just flourish. Now, there's a grain of truth to that, right? Because because God blesses his people, God loves to bless his people. There's, there's, There's some truth to that, but it's not the whole truth. Sometimes, as in this passage, God, for a season, will lead his people to a desert. He'll allow them to go through, through a hard time. And it's not necessarily because they've disobeyed him. And it's, it's certainly not because he's rejected them. Some, we, we don't even know why, but sometimes in his inscrutable wisdom, God will lead his people for a season, it doesn't go on forever, to a desert. I wonder if that's ever happened to you if it has you know it's not uncommon you read the bible it happens almost all the time to god's people abraham remember abraham he follows he follows god's call and listen he wound up living in a tent for the rest of his life david received god's anointing he wound up hiding in a cave Ruth, Ruth made a decision to ally herself with the people of God's covenant. Next thing you know, she's like an undocumented immigrant living unwanted in the land, gathering food off the, off the floor of somebody some stranger's field. Mary, mother of Christ, says, let it be unto the Lord's servant as he has. It just submits herself to God's will. Next thing you read in the book of Luke, she's fleeing for her safety to the hill country of Judea. I mean, just like all the time. God leads people to a desert. And what about Jesus? Remember that event? He's baptized in the Jordan River. The Spirit descends like a dove. He enters into the ministry to which the Father had called him. And then what happened? Mark 1 verse 12 says, at once the Spirit sent him out into the desert. So if you're in a desert today, and I trust you understand what I mean by that metaphor, you're, you're, you're going through a season of loneliness, are you? Or a season of discouragement? You're, you're going through a time where you feel like, like the song we sang before, how long, Lord, how long? When are you going to answer my prayers? Uh, if you're in a desert today, listen, I just want to tell you something. You're in good company, okay? A lot, of, a lot of good people. I mean, men and women of solid faith have been brought by God to a season in the desert. The Apostle Peter um, wanted to encourage some Christians who were suffering, and so this is what he wrote to them in 1 Peter chapter 4. He said, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice, you participate in the sufferings of Christ. In the next chapter, 1 Peter 5, he said, you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So, listen, a lot of really good people, people whom God loves, people who are following the Lord, will be led for a season to a desert. So... Where were the people of God in this passage? Well, I'll tell you where they were. They were, in, they were precisely in the place where God wanted them to be at that time. And it was a desert. Now, second observation, why? Why were they there? That's the question they're asking. You know, they started to get hungry. You get hungry in the desert because there's no food. And, of course, you need food. How are you going to survive without food? And so the thing is bad enough that God brings us to this desert. He, you know, we want him to provide for our needs. And, and presumably... God could have provided, uh, met the people's needs by just giving them in one installment, right? All all the food they're ever going to need. A supply of provisions that would be sufficient to last through the entire journey through the desert. I mean, just, I, I don't know how he would do it. Maybe have like a, a, a fresh direct truck just... Uh, Follow them everywhere they go. Here's here's the food you need. If you guys get hungry, it's all in the truck. Everything you need is right there. God, God could have done that, right? But that's not what God did. God did not solve the problem permanently, instantly. God solved the problem incrementally, daily. Here, here's the way it's explained in the passage. It says, then the, verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And later in the chapter, we didn't read it, but the, the, they, they referred to it as manna, which is basically he, Hebrew for what in the world is this? I mean, it really means what is this? They, they'd never seen it before. It's this kind of uh, miraculous provision of, of some kind of edible substance that apparently was on the desert floor. God says, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And then he says, the people. All the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And this way I'll test them to see whether they'll follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they're to prepare what they bring in, and it's to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. And that's so they can take a day off on the Sabbath and, and rest and worship the Lord. Right. So instead of, instead of just God giving them everything they would ever need in one lump sum, Like whoever was the person in New Jersey who won the Powerball last week. I mean, just boom, rest of your life. Never need anything again. Instead of of God giving them everything they would ever need in one lump sum, God God chose to set things up so that every day, every one of God's people would be forced to do what? Would be forced to interact with him. I mean, think about the, the way this would be. They'd go to bed at night, there'd be no food in their tent. They would have eaten it all. So the next morning when they woke up, they would, ha- they would have to do what? They'd have to pray, talk with God. God, we need food again today. Then they need to go out of, in, into the field with just eyes of faith, looking where God is at work in their world. Where will God provide? Where will we find the manna today? And then when they come home and they'd eat, they'd have to they'd thank God together. So every, listen, every, this is the way God set it up. Every day... They would look to the Lord. They would talk with the Lord. They, they, they would trust in the Lord. They would thank the Lord. Then they'd get up the next day and do it all over again. They'd look to the Lord, talk with the Lord, trust in the Lord, thank the Lord. Next day they'd get up, they'd look to the Lord, talk with the Lord, trust in the Lord, thank the Lord. So um, every day, every one of them was, was forced to interact personally with God. Now, somebody who's an expert in logistics might say that's nice, but it's not very efficient. I mean, it would have been better for God to just kind of streamline things and, you know, give them all the food they're going to need and then that's done. We don't have to deal with this daily thing. Just give them all the food, get them through the desert, get this over with. And listen, you can tell that this the way God set it up was not easy for them. I mean, it's, it's verse 20. You notice that some of the people gather too much, and then the maggots get in there. It's all stinky. And then, and, and, and then in verse 27, some of them forget, so they forgot it's the Sabbath, and they went out, and there's no man, and they get in trouble for this. And so you can tell it was not easy. It's never easy in the desert. So why did God do it this way? Why didn't God just solve the problem and get it over with? All the food you're going to need. Well, let's let's imagine your car breaks down. If you don't have a car, imagine you have a car and it breaks down. And you don't have enough money to fix it. But you do have a wealthy uncle, right? So you go to your uncle you say, uncle, my car broke down. I don't have enough money to fix it. And and instead of reaching for his checkbook like you expected, your uncle says, oh, okay, I'll be over tomorrow at 8 o'clock have the coffee. Ready? Have some old clothes on. Next morning, doorbell rings. There's your uncle with a toolbox. And he spends the entire day with you. Just your uncle and you. Your head's under the hood of the car. He's showing you how to tighten the belts, how to change the fluids. You're laughing and talking. He's asking you, how's your life going? And he's telling you stories about your your dad and him when they were little kids. and, 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 and And the day is done. Your car is fixed. Your uncle goes home. You're saying to yourself, well, that was nice why didn't he just write a check? Solve the problem. It would have been easier. You know why he didn't write a check. Because your uncle loves you. He loves you. He wants to be more than just a banker in your life. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. He He wants a relationship with you. Or let's let's imagine there's a woman who has a a high-powered job in this city. It pays a lot of money, and it demands every waking moment of her time. And one day her son says to her, Mom, I would like to learn how to cook. And she knows that there is a gourmet cooking school in Manhattan that has classes for children. All she has to do is just go online, sign her son up, put in her credit card, and boom. And then, you know, have an Uber, take him back and forth. He's going to learn how to cook. The kid will be a gourmet chef, Right? But instead, she says, "Okay, son. I'll tell you what. This Friday, I'm going to clear my schedule. I'll come home from work early. You come straight home from, from school. I'll meet you in the kitchen. I'll meet you in the kitchen. And of course, her colleagues are really furious about this because there's this big deadline. And how, how dare you take off time like this? I mean, why don't you just send you? are not even a good cook yourself. Why don't you just send your kid to the gourmet school? Why did you do this?" And she'll tell them why. Just said because he's my child. I, if he's going to be grown and gone before I know it, I, he's my child. I love him. I don't care if he's a gourmet chef. I want, I want my son to know his mother, and I want to know my son. I love him, and I want a relationship with him. That's uh, why she doesn't just solve the problem with a credit card. So, back to the people of Israel. Israel. Why did God lead them to the desert and not just boom straight into the promised land? And and why did God force them every day to look to him for food rather than just, boom, here's all the food you need at once? Why? Here's why. Same reason why God led you to the desert you're in right now. Same same reason why God has placed you, if he has in this situation where where you're, uh, you're crying out to him in prayer every morning and you're looking to him in faith every day. You know why God did that? Because he loves you. He wants a real relationship with you. He wants to. He wants to be more than just your sugar daddy, right? He wants to be more than just your ATM machine. He wants to be more than just the big problem solver in the sky. Listen, he's your God. He's your creator. He's your redeemer. He's your defender. He's believer. He's your father. Your good, good father. The Bible even says he's your friend. And he wants you to know him in a way that you would never get to know him if you never went to the desert, or if he just solved all your problems like that. It, see, that, this was actually the, the the whole reason for the desert experience for the Israelites. This is the reason for the daily feeding of, of, of manna. The reason the reason so it was so that the people would learn. Learn what? They would learn. Who they were. Do you know who you are? They would learn who they are, not in the eyes of the world, but in the eyes of their God. And in the eyes of God, listen, they were more than just bodies that needed to be uh, fed, they're more than just bellies that needed to be filled. Listen, You know who they were? They were men and women created in the image of an eternal God, endowed with with undying souls, designed for the very same thing that you were designed for. They were designed for a personal relationship with the Lord. God wanted them to understand that. I wonder if you've understood that yet. You're not a a Christian. Maybe you've always thought, oh, man, religion. Religion. I would have the same reaction if that's all this is about. But the gospel is not about religion. Do you understand? God is inviting you into a personal relationship with him. And there are a lot of Christians that don't really understand that yet either, aren't there? It's easy to think this is all just some kind of commercial transaction. I give God what he wants. He gives me what I want. Let's get it over with. God is in heaven saying, "Lo, oh, my dear child, don't you understand? I want you to know me. I want you to hear from me. That's, that's why they were in the desert. So the book of Deuteronomy in, in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy is written at the end of the desert wandering. Exodus is the beginning of the desert Deuteronomy is the very end. And when you read in Deuteronomy, Moses is kind of looking back on all this time in the desert, that they're about to go into the promised land. Listen, remember this. The desert doesn't last forever. It ends at the right time. So when it's about to end, they're about to go into the promised land, Moses looks back and he tells the people, let me explain why we went through that. And here's what he says in Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. He says... The Lord humbled you. Has God ever humbled you? It doesn't mean the Lord humiliated you. It doesn't mean that. God doesn't make fun of His people. It means when the Lord humbles you, it means God brings you to a place where you're just broken and you're crying out to Him. Some of you are there today. So He said this. He said, the Lord humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, To teach you that people do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. In other words, to teach you that the purpose in life is not just to get lunch. Or get your mortgage paid. or, Or pay off your college loans. Or find someone to marry you. They said the purpose in life is not just bread But every word that comes from God's mouth. In other words, a relationship in which God speaks to you. And you speak to God. And you know him. Moses said that's the whole purpose. That you would learn that you were designed for a love relationship with the living God. Have you learned that yet? So... That's why they were in the desert. And you could, you could say, that's the whole reason why Jesus came, right? So we could have what? A relationship with God. In John, in John chapter 6, Jesus was, uh, was teaching. And like he often did, he was teaching out in the desert. Isn't that weird? What an inconvenient place to, to teach people. Right? But Jesus would often go out into the desert and say, listen, you want to meet God, come out here. The desert, the desert, this is the best place to get to know God. And so he was teaching out in the desert, and of course the people had no food, so they were hungry. And you know what Jesus did? He fed them, 5,000 people, miraculously. He gave free lunch to, to everyone there. The next day, they came back. But the next day, they weren't looking for Jesus they were looking for another free lunch. You can read it, John chapter 6. And to, and to paraphrase, basically what, they keep, they keep kind of angling and trying to, to, to jockey to get him into to give them food. And so basically what they're saying to him, the, the refrain that they're, they're saying through, through John 6 is, we want the bread, we want the bread, we want the bread, we want the bread. And do you know what Jesus said? John 6, 35. He said, I am the bread. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In other words, he's saying, listen, what will satisfy the deepest need of your soul is not what's on sale at Macy's this week. What will satisfy the deepest need of your soul, he says, is me. Jesus was saying that through through him, by coming to him, we are given the one thing we were designed for. The real relationship with God. If you've, if you've never come to Christ, do you realize, listen, do you realize what's being offered to you today? Don't walk away from this. You can have it for free. Just say, Jesus, yes, I need that. And if you are a Christian, are you like me where sometimes you forget what it's all about? You forget that it's, 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 it's about really knowing God in your life. Here's what Jesus went on to say in that chapter. He said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. And remember, Jesus said that where? In a desert. The desert is where you get to know God. If you're in a desert today, listen, all right, I, I hate being in a desert, don't you? It stinks. But that's where you get to know God. And I wonder if some of you, God has you in a place right now, he is just poised, ready to break into your life like you've never seen him do before. Wouldn't that be wild? Kind of my prayer for ACC is that God would bring us to a place where we're just kind of, all of us, communally broken before him. A desert. So he would make himself known. I'll end with this. If you've ever, um, have you ever known, have you ever known a really godly Christian man or woman? They're, 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 they, they've known God. They're not just baby Christians. They've walked with Jesus for a long time. Maybe you know they show it by their white hairs. They've really, they've really, for for several decades, walked with Christ. There's something so attractive about their faith. There's a solidity to their faith. There's a there, there's a strength to their confidence in the Lord. If you ever known someone like that. And you get to know them, and you ask them, when did you get to know God like this? 99 times out of 100, they'll talk about a desert experience. You, you try it. They'll say, it's, you know, when I was diagnosed with lupus, and I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. It's when my daughter ran away, we didn't know if she'd come back home. It's when when my my marriage was on the brink of divorce and I didn't know what was going to happen. It's when we went through that church split. It's when when I didn't have money to to pay the rent, whatever it might have been for them. That's where you meet God. So if you're in the desert today, listen, be encouraged. God hasn't forgotten you, loves you. Could it be he wants you to know him better than you ever have? So we're going to pray right now. And and before we pray, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask us all to close our eyes when we pray. Not yet. And then I'm just going to ask if there's anyone here that you're kind of in a desert place right now and you want me to pray for you to raise your hand. But I want you to know what you're raising your hand for. I'm not necessarily going to pray... That God will solve your problem, whatever it is, like that. I Maybe mean, that's nothing wrong. It's not wrong to ask God to solve your problem. But I, I want you to raise your hand if, if you want to get to know God better in this desert. It's not. Listen, the desert doesn't go on forever. It will not. God knows when to end it. But if you want to come out the other side of the, whatever this desert is. Uh, Knowing God better. You don't want to waste all this suffering. You want to get to know God better. Then I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and put it down. And I'm not, I'm not going to call out anyone. I'm not going to say your name or anything. But I'm going to pray for you. Okay, is that clear? So let's close our eyes. Bow our heads. And if you, you are just in one of those dry places and you want to learn to meet with God, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And my hand is up too. Anyone else? There's a lot of hands. Anyone else? Okay, you can put them down. Let's pray. God, we don't understand why you let us go through hard times, but we thank you that you know what you're doing, you know how long to let it go on, and you never, ever leave us. And so I I pray that for those who raised their hands before, who are in a difficult time right now, I pray that this will be perhaps the season in their life where they get to know you like never before. Pour out your spirit on your people. Teach us to pray. Teach us to trust you. Teach, Teach us to feast on your word. Teach us to reach out to others. Use this desert experience, God, to build our relationship with you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.